How you doing? Good? Hey, uh, this Thursday, Hannah Hodges is getting married. Is that crazy? Yeah? <laughs> right? Yeah? So I uh, hope she enjoys the wedding, the marriage, and we'll see her back Sunday. All right? <laughs> you better not be here Sunday, Hannah. She won't. All right. Good job. <laughs> yeah, so congratulations. It's awesome. It's snowing outside. Is that great or what? Or what? Awesome. Good. Thanks for being in. Um, so we do have food here in case you have to stay here uh, for a few days, so you should be fine. I mean, they're like crackers, but they're edible from Vacation Bible School last year. Uh, hey, if you're like me, you know, when a new year turns over, it usually takes me a couple of months to kind of start riding the right year. <laughs> you know, I spend the first eight weeks riding the old year. Not this year. <laughs> January 1, 2021. Got it. Let's get 2020 behind us, right? You been there? Yeah. Feel the same way? But it's kind of like everybody was thinking that, hey, as soon as 2021 gets here, the virus is gone and everything's back right again, right? That didn't happen, did it? Yeah, virus is still here, still crazy world, even crazy. Just when you thought it couldn't get any crazier, people stormed the Capitol, right? It's just, man, just insane stuff going on. The good news is the church has not slowed down. The church has continued to be the church as God has called us to be. But I don't know, that, just to see all that stuff with the Capitol, um, we do not condone violence. <laughs> This is not the way you do things. This is not the way you change things. The sad part to me was to see Jesus saves banners, uh, Christian flags. That's, that's just not the Jesus way, right? And that's not the way he's called the church to be. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. We fight against deeper, darker enemies. But the truth is the church always overcomes darkness. The light always wins. Right? So we are on the winning side, even though sometimes it doesn't look like it. We just need to handle it the right way. And so with this new year, with this new look and all this craziness, and you're thinking, well, that's got to be as crazy as it gets. Well, hang on. <laughs> uh, it may get actually worse, may get crazier than it is right now. The virus is still here, but we're not going to worry about it. We're not going to freak out. We're not going to stop. Uh, we're going to continue to be the church. If you remember when we first started this pandemic, uh, we went through a sermon series called The Church Deployed, where we looked at the book of Acts, where the church began in the New Testament and what that looked like and how they met together in each other's homes. They met in the temple courts, and the Lord added to their number 3,000 in one day at Pentecost, and he continued to add to their number. So we learned that that's the church we need to be, different time, different context, but still the church deployed, whether we're here on campus, which hopefully we love to be, or whether we're in our homes or in our garages or in our backyards, we are still the church that God has called us to be, and we are not going to stop being the church. And so today I want to talk to you about kind of what's coming up this year uh, in 2021, because if you remember back March 8th of last year, because things were going so well in our church, our numbers, our worship services were full. In fact, it was hard for a family to find seats together, and so we were ushers were having a hard time finding seats for people who maybe come, came in once the service started. 
And so if you remember March the 8th, we had ropes in here at the back to kind of push Baptists from the back to the front, which is a hard thing to do. All right, we're very back row people. So to try to push to the front so we could kind of sit close together, that was March the 8th, 2020. March 15th, we said, don't show up here. <laughs> you talk about great timing. That was really good timing on our part, something we're, we're really proud of, uh, of figuring all that out. But and since then, everything changed. So this idea of church deployed has been hopefully on our minds and our lips, and we are still, we are still essential. We are still deemed by even unchurched people as an essential institution. So you're essential. Whatever others may say to you, I want you to know God sees you as essential. And that was kind of our idea, right? Whether we're here together on campus, and I long for the day that we can be back together here without fear, that no one's afraid of, of being here. Even though we're trying to be as safe as we can when we're on campus, I realize some people still are not ready. And that's why we have our online services, and that's why we find other ways to connect people other than here on campus. But I can't wait. I, I expect once this is all gone or taken care of, that this place is going to be packed to the gills again, uh, and we'll bring out the ropes again. But uh, until then, we continue to do what God has called us to do. And so this is that idea of being the church, because the church is the hope of the world. I hope you hear that. The church is the hope of the world. Jesus said, I am the way and the life. We, we, we look to Jesus as the light of the world. And Jesus said to his followers, thereby saying it to us, his followers, now you are the light of the world. And the reason the church is the hope of the world is because we carry the message of the good news of Jesus Christ. That regardless of a worldwide virus, regardless of capitals being overthrown, Jesus still is in control. It may not look like it, let's be honest, but he is. And he still expects the church to stand up and take a stand and do what is right and stand for justice and fight for the oppressed and be involved. We're not to run away and retreat and live in a mountain cave somewhere. We're to be engaged in society. I believe that God is calling maybe some of us here at this church into political office, that we might be positive influence for the truth of Jesus Christ. But we are still essential because we carry the good news. So as part of that church deployed, we talked about being the church on your block. And the basic idea behind that is just love your neighbor. Be a good neighbor. First of all, know your neighbors. Maybe on your street, back in the day, it used to be people would get home from work and everybody would go outside. That was probably before central air, but they would go outside. And everybody stayed outside and played and kids played. And that doesn't seem to be the case in most places nowadays. We pull in our garage and we shut the garage door before we actually get out of the car so nobody sees us. We go inside and we don't interact with our neighbors. And so we talked about that, being the church on your block. Doesn't mean you put a steeple on your house doesn't even mean you have church services at your house, although some were and some are, and hopefully some will continue. Ultimately what it means, bottom line what it means, just be a good neighbor. Show, demonstrate the love of Christ to those who live around you. Get to know them, who they are, what they do, that you might be there for them, that you might demonstrate the love of Christ, but also if there's a crisis in their life, they're going to come to you because they know you're a person of faith and they know that you love them. They're probably going to ask you to talk to the man upstairs on their behalf. <laughs> but that's cool. 
because that's what we do and that's what we're called to do, just loving our neighbor. The Sunday before Christmas, um, used the illustration that there was going to be a Christmas star in the sky. Starting that Monday, Jupiter and Saturn were going to align in such a way that it looked like a giant star, and that's known as the Christmas star. And so I talked about that, used that as a sermon illustration, and encourage you to go out and see it. It was going to be there all week, most visible that Monday. So I got a report back from a couple in our church, Brandon and Lauren Lyman, and their three-year-old daughter, Sadie. So Lauren and Sadie went out that Monday night to try to find the Christmas star, and they were having trouble finding it, but there were a group of neighbors across the street, and they had found it. So one of the neighbors, one of the men came over to help Lauren and Sadie find the star, and and Lauren said, I've seen the guy a few times, didn't really know him, uh, hadn't really connected to that family. But he came over and began to help Sadie find the Christmas star, and I wrote Sadie's quote, three-year-old, when she saw the star, this is what she said, wow, look, it's the Jesus Christmas star, isn't it beautiful? And Lord said the neighbor just kind of turned and looked at little Sadie, almost with a sense of shock and awe, and said it was like he was processing, he never really considered that God created the universe, he created all things, and created this star just as a visible reminder that he is in control. And at such a time as this, at such a time of the year, it appears to remind us that our God is hope. And she said, you know, she'd wish she'd been more bold with this neighbor and she has a desire to to connect even deeper relationship. But that next day, this neighbor and his wife brought a gift to the Lyman's and put it on their front porch, a Christmas gift. (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. It is that simple from a three-year-old. Now, come on. We can do that, right? It's just being a good neighbor. It's not rocket surgery. It's common sense. You don't get that rocket surgery thing, do you? Uh, Before some of your time, ask your parents. But it's, it's just not, we're not asking you to do anything that hard. We're just asking you to be nice, to be a neighbor. It may lead to other things. It may lead to bigger things but that your neighbors who don't know Christ will see Christ in you and want to know more about him. That's evangelism. That's sharing your faith. That's just being a person that God created and created you to be. So we want to challenge you in in doing more of that. Um, In fact, if you, these bags that we have, our fantastic director of communications, Katie Wakin, designed this bag, and it's recyclable. You can carry it, put grocers in it. But we started before COVID-19. We asked you if you have a neighbor move into your street to come by and get this and fill it with goodies or cleaning supplies or stuff for a a new move in. Now we're just going to open it up to anybody to take it to all your neighbors. We've got a ton of them, right? And maybe you want to put hand sanitizer in there or a mask or hazmat suit, whatever. Um, But it's just so they can carry it around and they see our logo. They say, here's a church that cares about me. And you remember that Church Deployed series, one of the first Sundays, uh, I wore this shirt. Remember this shirt? The church has left the building. I wanted to wear it today, but it's too stinking cold. But this hasn't changed. The church is not the building. You are the church. When we leave here through the snow, through the river and through the woods, we are the church deployed, right? 
to grandmother's house we go, or whoever's house you go, right? We are the church deployed. We are, we are the church wherever we go, so let's be a good church. Let's be the church that God intended us to be. So COVID-19 has caused us as a church, I think even as individuals, to ask three questions. What can I do? What can I do to help? What can I do to influence? What can I do to, to get through this? What should I do? Or what are some things I, just, I should do? And then the final question is, what must I do? What we must do is we must be the church deployed. We must be the hope of the world. We must share the good news of Jesus Christ. Whether it's to take over a, a bag to a, a, a neighbor, or it's to share your Jesus story with someone, or to post your testimony, whatever it is, we have to do this. We cannot stay silent, <laughs> especially in light of all this craziness going on in our world. We cannot sit back and shake our heads and say how terrible things have gotten. That's not the church Jesus called. We have to be out front, up front, and out loud. Let's be that kind of church because our mission that you have heard and you will hear over and over again, our mission at First Baptist Burleson is to pursue Christ and love people. Pursue Christ and love people. Say that with me. Pursue Christ and love people. Because the truth is, as we pursue Christ, the natural response is to love people, even the unlovely ones. Even that pain of a neighbor, <laughs> to love them. This is what we've been called to do. How we do that at our church, which is unique than any other church. Every church has its own unique vision. The vision God has given us to be a multi-generational. We will continue to reach all generations through our worship services, through our programming. We are focused on all generations, not just one, all generations. We will continue to be multi-venue. We have modern worship in here. We have traditional worship down there and Spanish worship down there. Uh, we're looking into a polka service. Here <laughs> I can never say it with a straight face. We're not doing polka service, unless God leads us, and then someone else will lead that. But so multi-venue, different styles of worship, help, helping people connect to God. Multi-site, so we have multiple sites inside this location, but we are wanting to get into church planting, church satellites. We want multi-sites. We have a, uh, we're in a, a, a nursing home right now as a church, so we're looking for other opportunities regional equipping church. In fact, I'm thinking about maybe we need to take the word regional out, that we're just an equipping church. We're equipping other churches in our area. We're equipping people in our church to serve, to minister. You guys know about our artist in residence program. These are musicians and singers that have been a part of our church that some of them are getting training at school, but we're giving them practical experience. We've now just added a category of pastors and residents, men and women, who are training for the gospel ministry as well, and children's ministry, youth ministry, pastoral ministry. So we've added that dimension to this where we are giving experience. You see a lot of them on stage, experience to men and women who are training for the gospel ministry. This is a huge part of who we are being equipping, equipping our own people to be able to send them off maybe one day to our own church plants or church satellites or other churches. So we're involved in that. So we're regionally equipping church. And the way that we do that, our strategy, so we have our mission, we have our vision, and the way we accomplish that is called our life piece, our strategy, L-I-F-E. 
L stands for what? <laughs> oh, come on. Love God. I stands for what? Oh, see. <laughs> okay, with your eyes closed. F stands for what? E stands for what? That's, that's how we do it. This is our strategy, life peace. We want you involved in life. First Burleson is a life-promoting church because we serve a life-giving God. How about that, huh? So it's all about life, your life in Christ, and how that impacts your life on this planet. We want you to be involved in life. So that guides all that we do. That strategy helps, that's for you as an individual. If you want to be a part of what's going on and a part of your spiritual maturity at First Baptist Burleson, you're engaged in life. And that helps us direct all the things that we do from programs to ministries. There are a lot of great things out there, but they're not all great for us. And so we want to be focused in what we do. And so here, just kind of break down some more things that are coming up using that life piece. The first one is love God. One of the things we want people to do is to be involved in worship, corporate worship. Again, whether it's online with the group or here on campus, corporate worship. We just added a new staff member, Nathan Burgraff, who is leading our traditional worship. Uh, he and his wife, Diana, and they have, they're raising three boys. Nathan is a professor at Southwestern Seminary. Here's his title. I wrote it down because it's really long. He is the assistant professor of music theory and director of piano department in the School of Music and Worship at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Right? He is super talented, super great guy. They're a great family, and he began his ministry with us here today, leading our traditional worship. Uh, from Rochester, he and his wife are from Rochester, New York. Uh, Nathan completed graduate studies at Eastman School of Music. If you're in music, you probably know that name. It's one of the world's premier schools of music. This guy is no slacker. He is the real deal. He is a rock star. And so we are grateful that the Lord has brought him here. Uh, I mentioned earlier about our artists in residence. Uh, we have this thing we're producing called 317 Collective. You've heard about that. You're going to hear more about that. Uh, for Christmas, they wrote, edited, and produced a song uh, that we sing in our church. It's on Spotify. It's on Amazon. It's on all these different platforms because it's not just for First Burleson. The things that we're doing now are not just for our church. Because of COVID-19, we realize that through technology, we can reach the world. So we want to provide resources through music, through studies, through training, through podcasts, through videos that can bless other churches, not just our church. So we're not just hoarding all this stuff. We're, we're going to be sending that out so that others might be involved, be able to use it to carry out the mission God has for them. So because of that, we're going to improve our online presence, improve online worship. Again, I realize people, some people aren't ready to come back yet. I get that. That's fine. I just don't want them to slip away. I want them to stay engaged. And so I, I challenge you, if you know someone that's kind of slipped away from church, they're not online with us anymore, they're not showing up at campus, you need to reach out to them. Because one of the things I've seen as a pastor, so many times when people's lives begin to fall apart, they begin to waver in their faith, it's because they walked away from church or they weren't as committed to church, or they let other things take the place of church. And all of a sudden, you know, they, they may even blame the church for something, but it's really a deal with sin in their own life, and they're more susceptible to temptation. So we, we, there's a reason God wants us to be together. And so I look forward to the day we can all be back together on campus. Um, one of the things I'm going to challenge us to do starting February the 1st, you'll hear more about this, is to read the Bible through in its entirety in one year. 
as a church to do that together. So every day we're reading the same passages together. And we'll, I'll probably use a form off of uh, version, So it'll be digital, but it will also have on our app and website ways that you can follow along. But I just want us to read the Bible. One of the things, complaints I hear about churches today is that so many Christians are biblically illiterate. Well, and, and so let's address that. Let's, let's go through the Bible together. Let's read God's Word together. I want to challenge you to deepen your prayer life. One of the things, I've done this in the past, and I've just kind of re, restarted to do this, is to read books of prayers. I've read books on prayer, done a lot of studies on prayer, but I also enjoy reading books with prayers in them, reading prayers from other people, whether they're ancient prayers or modern prayers or prayers of people that I appreciate. This is a book that some friends gave me, A Diary of Private Prayer by John Bailey. I uh, just started reading that, but it's, it's really inspirational and kind of gets you thinking of ways to pray to the Lord. So I encourage you to deepen your prayer life. And one of the things I want to ask you to pray, and I was challenged by this a few weeks ago and I started praying this prayer, asking God to give me a desire for holiness. I don't know if you've ever prayed that before. So every day I just ask, God, give me a desire for holiness. We talk about all these things as Christians that we're supposed to desire. And I think when we hear those messages, a lot of time we try to manufacture that on our own. But the intent is let's ask God to give us that desire. He is the giver of all good things. So let's ask him to give us a desire for more of him, a desperation, for a desire to be holy. So I want to challenge you in that in, in your prayer life. So invest in others. We do that relationally. That's one of the ways that we invest. We invest relationally, building friendships. Again, we want First Burleson to be a place where it's a great place to make friends. So we need to invest in each other with healthy relationships. In fact, relationships is a theme of our church this year, how to build healthy relationships. Our relationship with God, our relationship with our spouse, with our children, with our family, and with our church. So we're going to focus on that for the whole year. Um, one of the tools and resources we're using that really kind of focuses on the marriage relationship, and we're going to do a series on relationships here after Easter, it's a group called Communio. Now, Communio is an organization that focuses on trying to lower the divorce rate in our country. And so we've joined with Communio, and they did a study of our area. And we are one of eight churches in the whole Metroplex that are connected with Communio. And so they've invited us to be a part. All the other churches are mega churches, 2,000 members, 2,000 in attendance plus. And so they've invited us at First Burleson to be a part of this. And we received some grant money. And so it's a, it's a really big deal. But it, the focus is to help marriages in our church, but also in our community. And so they did a study using, um, what do you call that, consumer product data. So within a five-mile radius, we have 62,940 adults, okay, 18 years and above, living in that five-mile radius of our church, almost 63,000 people. This data produced that out of those 63,000 people, 8,862 marriages are in need. And they discovered that by what advertisings they look at, what they look at online, some of the resources they try to, to identify. And so it's indicated that 9,000 marriages, 9,000 couples, 9,000 families in that five-mile radius are in need. And that's Christian and non-Christian. And so one of the things we want to help 
address is healthy marriages and to help marriages become healthy. So during COVID-19, what we did is Communio produced these virtual date nights. And so we sent them out to targeted people in our community that don't have a church. Our target is to reach the unchurched, and so we sent these virtual date nights out. We did three, we sent three of them out over that period, and we had 450 couples, again, not a part of our church, watch these virtual date nights. And they're really cool. There was a recipe on a meal you could fix. There was a way uh, to get your kids to sleep legally. Um, (laughs) There was a Christian comedian you could watch. It was just really cool, really well done, really professional. And so we sent that out. So now this year, we're going to send those out to everybody. It's accessible to you as church members and also to our community. And this is not a church growth model, but it's going to give us an opportunity to reach out to these families and share the love of Jesus Christ with them in hopes that they will come or find a faith community somewhere, whether it's here or somewhere, that they'll get plugged in and develop spiritually. Many of them probably are not even believers, so it gives us an opportunity to share faith with them. Uh, so as a follow-up to that, on Wednesday nights, not this Wednesday because we're having our Becoming One event, the Chili Cook-Off, but the following Wednesday, we're kicking off our Wednesday night programming for children, youth, and adults. And for adults, we're doing care group ministries. And so one of those is uh, Reengage. You may have heard of Reengage. It's from a mega church in our area. And so we're going to use that, and it's for marriages that are doing great but want to do better. I mean, let's be honest, we can all use a little help in marriage. It's tough. Marriage is tough. We can use some encouragement, some, some wisdom in all this. Whether, or your marriage is struggling. Maybe you've talked about the D word. Divorce has been on your lips, or there's just a lot of issues going on. This is going to be a help to you and to our community. It's not just for our church. It's for our community. We're going to do regeneration, which is also that's a discipleship program uh, that helps people maybe struggling with issues in life, struggling with things of their past, struggling with, with temptation and things, or just wanting to, to ramp up their spiritual maturity and their discipleship. That's something else we'll be offering on Wednesday nights. Uh, and you'll be able to sign up for these, uh, especially uh, this coming Wednesday night. We'll be offering Financial Peace University. We know that finances is a major issue in marriages, one of the reasons that so many marriages end in divorce. We'll be offering divorce care for those who have experienced uh, the pain of divorce and to help rebuild. And then on Sundays at 9.30 in the morning, we're going to be offering a prepare and enrich program. For the, it's a premarital program for those who are going to get married, so they'll be better prepared to be married. Sorry, Hannah, but you can watch the videos. But So it's just for people getting married so they can start on a better foot, on a better foundation. And so we are offering that uh, to people as well. So again, we acknowledge the issues in our community. And we're a church that doesn't run away from them. We address them. We're already addressing domestic violence and trying to help diminish that. We're already helping churches how to identify the behaviors of sexual predators who prey on children. And so now we're adding the divorce to an issue that we're conquering as a church. I hope that you are proud to be a part of a church that doesn't just sit back and shake its head at how bad things have gotten, but actually addresses the issue and shows the love of Christ. (laughs) <laughs> okay. All right. For those of you who clap, uh, thank you. And uh, we'll be needing you to sign up here after the service. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Woo! All right. And then we, 
invest in one another financially. And we're doing well financially. We're actually 7% above what we brought in this time last year. Is that crazy? We had a worldwide pandemic, guys. We had people losing their jobs, losing portions of their income. Yet we've given more at this point than we did last year at this point. And we're like 94% of our budget. And we, we, this budget was aggressive. Again, we, we have not shrunk back on anything. If anything, we have ramped up and pressing harder forward because we believe that's what God's calling us to do. He's resourced us, he's equipped us, and I believe he's prepared us to do that. Fellowship with other believers, we need more life groups. I truly believe one of the reasons we have been successful through this pandemic is because of our life groups, because they've taken care of one another, they've called and check on one another, they've met together safely, but they've continued to do ministry and to do church together. We need more of that. That will be the continued success of our church. So I'm gonna ask you to pray, is God calling you to be a life group leader? Or, or within the life group, we have a reach up, reach in, reach out leader. Maybe God's calling you to do that. I know he's not calling you to be a bench warmer. <laughs> I, I know that much about God. He has not called you to sit soak and sour. You're not to warm the bench. Hey, I did that in high school a lot. <laughs> it is no fun. You miss out tremendously. A little bit in college too. But you don't need to be a bench warmer. In fact, our benches are not very comfortable. Um, so continue to do that. If you're a life group leader now, please continue to check on your members. Make sure they're doing okay. This thing, there are people still afraid and just need to be loved on. And then in, engage the culture, the E. You're going to hear a lot more about Hope Starts Here. Hope Starts Here is an initiative to raise money to increase our Promises facility. You guys know about Promises? Promises is our benevolent ministry. It's about two blocks from here, our facility, uh, and it, it's a food pantry, uh, but it helps with other issues that people are going through. And we also have a counseling center. We have several licensed professional Christian counselors that deal with all kinds of issues. And one of the things we've seen through COVID-19 is the need for food, the need for encouragement, the need for assistance, and the need for counseling has all been ramped up. The divorce rate has gone up. Domestic violence has gone up. I mean, things are going through the roof. And we need to be able to address that in a better way. So we need a larger facility. We're trying to raise $150,000 to build and add on more to our Promises facility so that we can better meet the needs of the neighbors around us. I love that we call them neighbors. We don't call them clients. We don't call them needy people. We don't call them those people. They're neighbors. We want them to feel like a neighbor. We want them to feel honored when they come and they need help because we all need some help, right? And so we need to increase that so we can do a better job as our area grows and definitely as the needs grow. Uh, we had a meeting a month or so ago, and we have another meeting planned with a group of folks that are church members here, but they live in Grandview, Texas, about 20 minutes south of here, 15 to 20 minutes south. One of the things that we noticed, God began to move some of our members down to Grandview. Some already live there, but we've seen more of people that are connected to our church and want to stay connected to our church, moving down to Grandview. Well, one of the principles of experiencing God is when you see God moving, then follow him. So we just start asking the question, why? What is God up to in Grandview? Why is he taking these families and moving them down there? Well, so we're pursuing that, and, and we believe that ultimately there will be a satellite campus of First Baptist Burleson in Grandview, Texas. That's an area that's growing, and God's placed some significant strategic families down in that area. 
So we are meeting, and we're going to start them as a life group, with a life group intended to grow into a campus. And so that's a different strategy than what we're used to. But we're going to focus on that. If that's God's will, we're still processing that and learning from that. But we've got to get started. We've got to do something as God has opened a door. Christopher and I went a couple of weeks ago and met with some of the pastors, other Baptist preachers there in the area, to tell them what we're doing and to assure them we're not coming to steal their members. We're not coming to steal their staff. We're not about that. We're actually coming hoping to help them do what they're called to do, maybe help them get healthy if they're struggling, but to come and join alongside them in what God is doing in Grandview, Texas. That's exciting. We don't know. We're just walking the road. God didn't tell us. He didn't give us the whole roadmap. He just said, go. So as a church, we're going. So we'll be praying for that, thinking about that. Another thing that we're doing that is, that is new is we're involved in fostering and adopting. You guys understand those terms, to foster or adopt. So we are going to foster and or adopt churches. Statistics tell us, I've shared this with you before, it's estimated that 1,000 Baptist churches in Texas will have to close their doors because they did not survive COVID-19. I love church planting. I love church satellites. But I also love helping to revitalize a church that's struggling. My thought is we give up way too soon on a church that has some struggles. So it's already there. It's already established. Why not come alongside and help? That's part of our regional equipping mindset. Let's help this church get healthy. Let's resource it. Let's encourage it. Let's pray for it. Let's be involved in it so that it can be established. Because when churches around us get healthier, we get healthier. We're not here to market the name First Baptist Burleson. We're not, we're not branding that name. We're branding, marketing the name of Jesus Christ. He, it is his kingdom, not ours. And so why not? Let's, let's, God has blessed us in so many ways. Let's not be selfish. <laughs> let's share these resources. So for 12 months, we're going to foster this church. I'm not going to tell you who it is yet because they're still communicating that with their body. So I don't, I don't want to jump the gun, but there's a church in our area that they've got a great vision. They have a new pastor there, and it's mainly an adult, senior adult congregation. Most of the folks are 70 and above, but they're surrounded by single-parent families and by young families. And so their vision is to reach young families. And so we're involved in training with their leadership. We're involved, probably we're going to invest about $25,000 into this church to help them do some things that they need to do. But also we've, we're going to send if they need a worship leader, come over and help or, or whatever. We're just going to help them. Um, and also, in, in just a few weeks, when it's all made public, I'm going to ask for 10 young families. I'm just going to make that general appeal for 10 young families to consider going to that church for 12 months. That's a, I know that's asking a lot. That's a huge investment. But you can understand if you're trying to reach young families and you have a young family come in as a guest and there are no other young families, they're probably not coming back. So we want to seed that congregation with young, mission-minded families to say, I'm going to, I'm going to commit 12 months to go over there and be involved, to worship, to, to serve, and be a part to help that church reach its vision and become healthy. For years, there's been conversations about churches becoming unhealthy and churches dying, but nobody's done anything about it. <laughs> so we're a church that does something about it. We're not going to sit there and talk about it. We're going to take action, 
and we're going to help. And I hope that's the start of many more to come. I hope that some we get to foster. I hope some we get to adopt to help. And we just watch the, the kingdom grow, and we see our area change and transform. And, and I hope it goes global. I hope it goes viral across the world, that we're helping to do this all over the place. Um, because I, this passage, Luke twelve forty eight, From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. If the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. That's focused on the individual, but I, I believe that it applies to the church. That's one of the reasons we're doing artisan residence and pastor in residence. That we'll be able to launch these ministers to, to our satellites or to our church plants or to other churches. Tim Edmond was one of our first artisan residents, and he has been over in our traditional service. Well, this year, this, the first Sunday in January, he started leading worship in a church in Fort Worth. That's what we're about. We got to help train Tim and be a part of his life and his development, and now we get to be a part of him being sent to another church to lead worship. We have a part in that. We can take pride in that, that one of our own has gone on to, to do a ministry God's called him to do. That's exciting to me, <laughs> to see how God is calling you and how God wants to use you and that we as a church get to be a part of that. So we want to be the church deployed. And one of the things I understand about being the church deployed, before we can do that, we have to be all in. So I'm asking you to be all in through this life, through loving God, investing, fellowshipping, engaging, to follow that strategy for your own spiritual development, but also for the part that you're to play in the story of First Baptist Burleson. I just want to read Chronicles chapter 7. This is a passage that I've heard so much through this time of COVID-19, and it's a famous passage you'll recognize, but I want to read the context around it. Second Chronicles 7 verse 11. <clears throat> when Solomon had finished the temple of the Lord and the royal palace had su and succeeded in carrying out all he had in mind to do in the temple of the Lord and his own palace, the Lord appeared to him at night and said, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or commanded locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. <clears throat> now my eyes will be open, my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. I have chosen and consecrated this temple so that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there. As for you, if you walk before me faithfully as, your, as David your father did, and do all I command and observe my decrees and laws, I will establish your royal throne. As I covenanted with David your father when I said, you shall never fail to have a successor to rule over Israel. But if you turn away and forsake the decrees and commands I have given you and go off to serve other gods and worship them, then I will uproot Israel from my land, which I have given them, and I will reject this temple I have consecrated for my name. I will make it a byword, an object of ridicule among all peoples. This temple will become a heap of rubble. All who pass by will be appalled and say, why has the Lord done such a thing to this land and to this temple? People will answer, because they have forsaken the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who brought them out of Egypt and embraced other gods, worshiping and serving them. This is why he brought all this disaster on them. Now, this is a word to Israel. 
of the importance of staying obedient to God in the land that he had provided for them. But I think it's a very clear word to his church today that if we are obedient to him and we follow his decrees and commands, we will be successful, whatever that and however that is defined by God. But if we begin to turn away and worship other gods, which I hope COVID-19 has shown us there is no other God to worship, but if we will continue to worship him, if my people, so he's talking to the church, he's talking to us, my people called by my name. Notice he doesn't say, if my candidate, if my vaccine, if my economic recovery plan, no, my people, my church will humble themselves as we humbly come before God, laying down our lives as a living sacrifice before him. Have you ever wondered why we bow our heads in prayer or we bow on our knees in prayer? It's a sign of humility. We are laying our life. We are making ourselves vulnerable to the Father. If we will humble ourselves and pray, and prayer is, is focused on confession of our sin. If we will confess our sin, ask for a desire for holiness, and seek him, seek his face. That means seek him with all of our heart, with all of our soul. And the promise of the word is, if we do that and seek him in that manner, we will find him. He is not hidden. If we seek him, we will find him. And we will repent, turn from our wicked ways, repent of our sin, confess and repent of our sin. Then, it's an if-then clause. If you do this, then I will do this. Then I will hear you. I will hear your prayers. In other words, I will respond to your prayers. I will forgive your sin, which should no longer be a part of you, and I will heal your land. God has placed his church here in America as a remnant to bring healing to our nation. It's not a political party's responsibility. It's not the government's responsibility. It's not science or doctor's responsibility. It is the church. We are the church deployed as the church God designed. And he said, if you will do it this way, not even the gates of hell will stop you. Our job is not to retreat and run away. Our job is to advance and bring it on, right? So here's the challenge. As we consider First Baptist Burleson in light of all that's happening. First of all, I want to ask you to pray for our church daily. On your prayer list and your prayer time, please include First Baptist Burleson. And pray this, God do something God-sized in our midst. Let's dream bigger, let's think bigger, let's ask bigger of God. So pray for our church daily. Promote our ministries. Again, we, we are not looking to take people from other churches, but there are people all around you that don't have a church. Tell them what's going on. Tell them about re-engage. Tell them about regeneration. Tell them about divorce recovery. Tell them about our youth ministries, our children's ministries. Promote what's going on at First Burleson that we might reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Just talk about it. And I hope you do it with a sense of pride. I'm proud of what God is doing in my church. And then participate in life. Love God, invest in people, fellowship believers, engage the culture. Follow that strategy for your own development, but also for the development of our church. Participate in life at First Baptist Burleson. Can I just ask you a question? And, and you don't have to answer this out loud. Do you enjoy being a part of First Baptist Burleson? Does being a member here bring joy to your life? Because my prayer is that it does. 
that you enjoy. And I know it's hard work. I know there's commitment involved in covenant, but it should bring joy. When people come on this campus for the first time, they should experience people filled with joy. Serving God should bring joy. It's hard. It's difficult. It's challenging. It's uncomfortable at times. But there's always that sense of joy because I'm doing what God's called me to do. Do you enjoy being in this church? I hope you answer yes. And they tell us that a third of those who went to church before COVID-19 will probably never come back. I hope that's not the case here. I hope people are longing to get back here because they really enjoy being here. There's nothing wrong with enjoying church. <laughs> and I believe that if you will participate in life, it will bring joy to your life. One of the things Robin and I are going to get back to doing every Wednesday morning at 8 o'clock, we're going to be on Facebook Live. And one of the reasons we do that is just to keep you informed of what's going on. Like this Wednesday, we'll talk about the Becoming One event, the Chili Cook-Off, but just to keep you informed. Another way to keep you connected to what's going on here. And then we share a few stories about life and ministry that we think are funny. You may not, but we do. So we want to communicate. We want to inform, but we also want to help bring some joy <laughs> in a very sad world. Let's pray. God, help us to pray, promote, and participate. We want to pray for God-sized things to happen. We want to promote what you're doing in our church, and we want to participate. We want to be a part of it. Because it does bring joy, that it might bring joy, that our joy may be made complete. And God, there may be some here today that They've never asked Jesus to be the leader and forgiver of their lives. They've never sought the Lord. They've never sought you. I pray today that it would be the day that either they begin that journey or they conclude that journey by asking Jesus to be the leader and forgiver of their life. And I know Daniel's going to tell them how to do that in just a minute. But God, as we begin to pray for our church, we ask that you do something in our midst and through our congregation, that when it's accomplished, the only thing that can be said is, look what God did. Look what God did. That there's no other explanation other than God did this. So, God, we ask for something God-sized. And we will be faithful to give you the praise and the glory. We want to brand the name of Jesus. We want to market the name of Jesus because it truly is the only name that saves. Help us to be the church deployed. Help us to be the church you've called us to be without fear, without shrinking back. In Jesus' name, amen.